and welcome back to Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I don't really have a whole lot of, a, of an agenda for this episode. Uh, basically, what's going on is there are just a couple of uh, bees that I've got in my bonnet, and mostly I just wanted to, to roll them all out there. Or at least roll some of them out there. I, I, I don't really know. But uh, basically what's going on is at the time that I, re- uh, th- that I record this episode right now, which is my birthday, oddly enough, October the 21st, uh, uh, Joker is sitting pretty at a worldwide box office gross of... $738 million plus change, right? And uh, this, we just finished up its second weekend of uh, wide release. <clears throat> and it's safe to say that on a 50 or $55 million, produ- million dollar production budget, that kind of, that kind of worldwide gross, that is $738 million, by any sane standard, Joker is a pretty massive success. One of the things that I honestly don't think I've done a very good job of expressing during the course of the last couple of episodes that I've recorded and subsequently released is the fact that, guys, at this point, it's kind of undeniable that DC Comics on film is... Like I say, it's just, it's undeniable that they're on a winning streak, all right? You've got Aquaman, you've got Wonder Woman, you've got... I have to call this movie Shazam, even though that character's proper fucking name is Captain Marvel, but the law being what it is, it's... Anyway, the character has to be called Shazam, the movie has to be called Shazam, so in order for you guys to know what the fuck I'm talking about... I have to call the movie Shazam, but let's face it, we all know that character's real name, now don't we? So, anyway, like I say, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, and now Joker, it seems to me undeniable, like I say, that for the first time, maybe ever, but certainly for the first time in a long time, DC characters are they're starting to become bankable commodities and the part of me that's a DC fan first and foremost is actually kind of happy about that I mean I'm one of those people that always sort of enjoyed the Coke versus Pepsi rivalry of DC and Marvel I never really wanted to be too kumbaya about it I mean don't get me wrong I do enjoy Marvel Comics, I enjoy reading Marvel Comics, I like some of those characters, I've enjoyed some of those movies, but when you come right down to it, guys, my geek home has always been the DC Universe. That's, those are my roots, you know? That's, that's my comic book universe, alright? I dig it, and I'll never leave it. And so it kind of thrills me that for the first time... Like I say, for the first time in, at the very least, a very long time, 
there's some real competition that's going on there now. So just on that basis alone, I'm actually kind of happy with the state of affairs. Now, I saw Aquaman, courtesy of Dave Atterbury. I saw it. I liked it. You know, it was a, it, it was a pretty enjoyable movie. <clears throat> Shazam, I saw it, again, courtesy of Dave Atterbury. I enjoyed it, and it's, it's a pretty decent little movie. I still haven't seen Wonder Woman. I don't know if I ever will. I mean, the law numbers really isn't on my side when it comes to that. My guess is that sooner or later, I'm going to have occasion to sit down and, and watch Wonder Woman. And, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but if I had to guess, I would say that I'm probably going to enjoy that movie as well. It's, like I said, I mean, I've never seen it, but the people that I know who have seen it, I do trust them. They say that, it, that, that it's a great movie. It was exactly what they wanted from a Wonder Woman movie, at least at that time. And so, especially when it comes to Wonder Woman 84, they're pretty excited to see what's coming. That's all fine and dandy. But really, guys, for me, the conversation right now is all about Joker. But the fact that there are so many different movies out there to choose from right now really does thrill me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much on the record at this point for really not liking the overall state of affairs with comic book movies, really in general, but I think in particular with Marvel. I'm the guy in the room that's just not really getting into Marvel's latest offerings, especially their latest offerings. I'm just not really getting into that stuff quite as much. Phase one, I love, and I will defend that to the hilt, but honestly, you get too far away from phase one, the MCU pretty much loses me. So, there's that. But, not, not everything to do with comic book movies is disappointing to me. Like I say, uh, Aquaman, it was a decent little time at the movies. I enjoyed myself. I, I, I watched it. It was great. And it was fun. You know, it was, it was pretty good. Again, same thing with Shazam. And again, still haven't seen Wonder Woman. And I'm fucking in love with Joker, right? I, I, that's, I think at this point, a, a pretty poorly kept secret. I fucking dig the Joker. And so, so there's that. But... I still think the fact remains that I'm just not overwhelmed with the state of affairs with, with comic book cinema right now. And one of the things I tend not to do with any of my shows, or either of my shows, I suppose, whether it's Trinus Magnus Punch's reality or Trinus Magnus Jab's reality, one of the things I just don't really do a whole lot of is offer predictions. And the reason for that is because, in the main, the future is, it's unknown and it is largely unknowable. If you make a prediction about the future and it comes true, you can attribute that to luck or coincidence or any number of other things, you know? Precognition is honestly the least likely explanation when you think about it. So, for that reason, one of the things I, I, I typically shy away from doing is 
is offering a whole lot of hard predictions and saying that this is definitely going to be the way that things turn out. I've done it a few times, and the times that I've ventured an opinion on the subject, there have not been many of them, and so I've been I've been credited with a pretty good track record of offering predictions simply because of the fact that when you make so so few of them the ones that you're really certain about when they end up coming to pass you look like Nostra frickin' Domus and honestly that's just not the case it's just sometimes you know I'm not gonna fan my own balls too much sometimes in life you just get lucky all of that is kind of a preamble to saying that I do intend to offer a little bit of a of a prediction here. I'm not necessarily going to stake my credibility on this, but this is something that I've suspected for quite a while now, and I think it's finally safe to start talking about. Guys, you need to understand something. The Hollywood filmmaking community all of these different writers, all of these different directors, these different producers, different actors, different set decorators, different costume designers, etc., etc., etc. You need, guys, you need to understand something, okay? And you really need to get this through your head, okay? And that is, they are not like us. Do you understand? They are different from us. Just so we can be clear. They're different from us. And boys and girls, for a very long time now, I've gotten the sneaking suspicion that not only are they not like us, not only are they very different from us, guys, I don't think they like us very much. And when I say them, I mean the Hollywood filmmaking community. When I say us, I mean geeks, comic book fans, uh, nerds, whatever you you want to call yourself, however you want to identify. They do not like you. And I'll go a step beyond that, and I'm going to suggest to you guys that just because of the the prolificacy of comic book movies, of cartoon shows, of TV shows, so on and so forth, that's been the only way that a lot of people in the industry have been able to make a living. And I think that has caused no small amount of resentment, we'll say, all right? I think these people, they're happy to, to, to get paid, they're happy to earn a living, they're happy to support their families, or their drug habits, or their mistresses, or whatever their shit is. I think they're happy to do all of that, and I think they fucking hate the fact that they have to depend upon us in order to get there. All right. I think that these people and guys, lest I be accused of looking down my nose at them, pissing on them, castigating them, denigrating them. What we're talking about is 
We're talking about uh, directors. We're talking about visual effects artists. We are we are talking about actors. We are talking about writers. We are talking about people who went into the filmmaking industry so that they could tell stories, their own stories in a great many cases, or if not their own stories, stories at least that they give a shit about, stories that they can believe in, that they can sink their teeth into, stories that are going to challenge them on a creative level and bring out the best that they can possibly be on an artistic level, okay? I'm sure there are some people who went into Hollywood so that they could make Avengers Part 6, okay? There's, just by numbers, there's got to be at least a few people out there that joined the, the industry specifically for that reason. But I have to think that the other 99.5% of, uh, of everybody involved in Hollywood, in the main, they joined they joined up in that community for some other reason, right? And I choose to take something that could be mistaken for the moral high road and suggest to you that they joined up in the film industry so that they could tell the kinds of stories that they want to tell, which, to be a little bit more specific, don't involve superheroes and heat vision and glowy things of doom and all that sort of stuff. That's not the reason that they went into the industry. And yet, it's really hard to earn a living in Hollywood just as things are. It's harder still if you completely ignore the comic book genre, okay? I don't know if it's possible for most people to earn a living in Hollywood if they wholesale ignore comic books. Some people can. All right, some some people can. Tom Cruise can have a career and he doesn't need comics. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he can have a career and he doesn't need comics. Uh, just on and on and on. There are certain people, John Travolta, there are certain people who, for whatever reason, have star power of such magnitude that they can they can afford to decline doing comic books but by and large most people in Hollywood can't but those who can guys i oh, i predicted i did not say i or at least i honestly i don't think i ever said anywhere on mic that certain things would happen but I did say to people, and I think I certainly said on Facebook, that sooner or later, we're going to come to a day when somebody of a sufficient stature or legend or prominence in Hollywood, they will vocally speak out against comic book movies and... What you guys need to understand is that for every one cinematic Hollywood legend who has the balls to not only reject doing comic book movies, but state in public why they refuse to do comic book movies and the fact that they don't like comic book movies, when that happens, you guys need to start getting 
you need to start getting your shit together. You need to start getting comfortable with the fact that mainstream rejection is coming. And probably very soon. Now, to state my case a little bit, is a couple of years ago. You guys can probably Google it. But uh, it's a couple of years ago, Jodie Foster, she was given some interview with God knows who. And she did not insult comic book movies. Let's be very clear about that. You know, she basically explained her her frustration, I think, is implicit in her comment. But she never actually said, I hate comic book movies. But she said, number one, that seems to be the great majority of what's out there right now. Meaning at the time that she gave that interview. And God knows right now. Today, October the 21st, 2019. So there's that. But... She went on to say that she's never going to do one. Ever. Ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. And ever, never, never, ever. Never going to do one. Ever. And I saw that as the first crack in the dam. I said that, guys, this is the sign that I was waiting for. I said it on Facebook. I'm pretty sure the Two True Freaks Facebook page, the Cantina, I'm pretty sure I said it in there. Guys, this is the sign. This is what I've been waiting for. You need to pay attention to this. And some people took, it seems like they took that pretty seriously. And they even said words to the effect of, yeah, I've been kind of thinking the same thing. So it's good to know I'm not alone on that. And honestly, it felt good for me too. It was nice to know I'm not the only one that that saw something like this coming. All right. So, so there's that. But within the last 48 hours, guys, I honestly don't think that the great majority of the geek community on Facebook, I don't think they truly understand what has happened in the last 48 hours, right? But I'm going to try to interpret this stuff for you as best I can, all right? Martin Scorsese, he gave a public statement. And he basically said words to the effect of comic book movies. And he was talking, I think, specifically about Marvel. But he said that he said words to the effect of, you know, comic book cinema is not real cinema. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make a comic book movie. This isn't something that anybody should take seriously. So he just went on from there. And so that was that. There was some minor blowback over that. But honestly... Not a whole lot. Because, guys, at the end of the day, we're talking about Martin fucking Scorsese here. Okay? Uh, this is Taxi Driver. This is Mean Streets. This is, to some degree or another, King of Comedy. This is Casino. This is Gangs of New York. This is Aviator. This is Shutter Island. I mean, just fucking on and on and on. The guy's filmography, it really is... It reads almost like Hollywood's greatest hits. I mean, he's made some incredible fucking movies, all right? And so there's a limit to how much anyone's really willing to push back on Martin Scorsese just because if anybody is in any kind of position to criticize comic book cinema, it's Martin Scorsese. So, no, I don't think anybody necessarily liked what he had to say. Like anybody on Facebook, the geek fraternity on Facebook... I don't think anybody liked what he had to say, but most people seem to understand, you know, he's, guys, we're talking about Scorsese here. Uh, we're kind of beyond, 
well, you know, this is just one guy's opinion. He's allowed to think whatever he wants. We're sort of past that now, okay? This is Scorsese, and no one really wants to say too much against him. And honestly, guys, if that's where the story had ended, then we... I might not even be recording this episode right now. You know, who's to say? But that's not where it ended. Within 24 hours, I guess Francis Ford Coppola saw that quote from Martin Scorsese, and he said, I'd like to agree and amplify. And he went so far as to say that Marvel films, I forget his exact word, but not immoral, but something like that, you know? Basically, this is this is just it, it's bad. Put it that way. This is just bad. Like, not e not. I don't want to use the word evil, but in that kind of vein. Not bad as in low quality. Bad as in lo, like poor character. All right. It's just bad. Those movies are just immoral. But again, he didn't say immoral. He actually said something else. And guys, you know, I saw cracks in the dam before. I think the dam just broke. All right. Francis Ford Coppola does not have... We just... We need to be honest. It's okay to say that Francis Ford Coppola... He doesn't exactly have Martin Scorsese's batting average. Not even close. I've seen the conversation, but honestly, I don't really see what the big deal is about with that movie. I, I mean, it's good, but it's just like the way that people talk about it. I mean, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was something other than what I got. Uh, all right, I don't know. So there's that. The Godfather trilogy. I love the Godfather trilogy, okay? All three movies, okay? I fucking adore the Godfather trilogy. It's just those movies, all three of them, they're great. Apocalypse Now. And I mean the theatrical cut. Apocalypse Now. Again, it's great. Okay, I love it. But when you start moving too far along into the 80s and then going forward, you're, you're kind of hard-pressed to find very many, uh, very many Coppola movies that are just bona fide masterpieces. Let's just say that. I mean, he's had some good movies. He's had some really horrible ones, but even his best ones, when you start getting into the 80s and just going going through there, even his best movies, they don't really hang, apart from Godfather Part 3, they don't really hang with anything else that he's ever done. And guys, I'm kind of one of, one of the few voices in the wilderness on Godfather Part 3. There are a ton of people out there who would be happy to tell you why Godfather Part 3 sucks, all right? I'm not that guy, okay? I dig Godfather Part 3. I get something out of it that maybe other people don't, but hey, whatever. We all bring our own baggage to these things, and whatever my personal baggage may be, I like Godfather Part 3. But even I have to acknowledge, Godfather Part 3, number one, it's not quite as good as the first two, and number two, it's far and away the best thing that he's done since, we'll say, 1983, all right? Starting from 1983 and going forward, you've got uh, The Godfather Part Three, and there's really not much else to choose from, 
You know, there really isn't. And Coppola, what I'm trying to say is Coppola is a little bit more of a vulnerable target than Martin Scorsese is, because at the end of the day, no one wants to talk shit about the guy that directed The Aviator. All right. Nobody wants to do that. You know, the guy that directed Gangs of New York. Nobody wants to do that. But the guy that directed One from the Heart or Rumblefish or any of the other ones that he's that he's been involved with, you know what? Yeah, uh, that guy is a little bit more vulnerable, shall we say. Now, guys, they say that these things come in threes. Jodie Foster made a public statement as to why she... Well, she didn't even say why. She just said, I'm not ever going to do a comic book movie. It's just not going to happen. Scorsese comes along years later, and he says, I'm not going to do a comic book movie, and I don't really like comic book movies. That's two. And then here comes Coppola saying, again, he didn't actually say evil, but or immoral. He didn't actually say immoral, but it was some kind of synonym for immoral. That's basically what, what Coppola is saying. That's three. Guys, don't kid yourselves. Those three people speak for a fucking shit ton of people in Hollywood. And we're talking about people like the theater kids from high school, okay? They don't... They didn't join up with the film industry so that they could be Superman, okay? I love Superman. Superman without question, is the primary mythical construct of my childhood, okay? I love Superman. But guys, the people that are in the Hollywood, or, or rather the, uh, the uh, movie industry, that is not why they joined up with the industry, okay? They want, like I say, they wanted to tell stories. Ideally, their own stories, but if not their own stories, at least stories that they can respect, Stories that they can sink their teeth into, all right? That's why they joined up. And they don't get to make those movies anywhere near as often as they'd like. This is my prediction. Jodie Foster started something. Martin Scorsese escalated something. And, perhaps appropriately, Francis Ford Coppola put the coup de grace on something. We have just turned a very fucking important corner, all right? If you're a fan of the MCU, you love all these different Marvel movies that have been coming out. You love each of them. Uh, you love each one more than the last. It just keeps getting better and better and better. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the prediction I'm going to make to you is this. I think the good times are, are coming to an end, all right? I think that within the next couple of years, the general attitude and sentiment of what has been publicly expressed by the likes of Jodie Foster, by Martin Scorsese, by Francis Ford Coppola, this will be echoed by other people in Hollywood, perhaps some less prominent, less obvious, less legendary, less high-profile types of people. Maybe somebody a little bit further down the totem pole maybe they'll start expressing their not-so-friendly opinions of comic book film, too. Guys, 
I think the general public is just about ready for that. All right. I mentioned uh, Joker at the beginning of this episode, and I think one of the reasons that Joker has done so well is precisely because of how different it is from the conventional comic book movie and everything that that means in the year 2019. But people who say that you could have just as easily taken all the Batman elements out of that movie and still had a movie that could exist unto itself as sort of a freestanding character piece or however you want to analyze the movie, those people aren't wrong, guys. And this isn't... I'm trying not to phrase this as a fear of mine personally because, guys, honestly, i kind of been there for... My, been there for a while myself. You know, I think I've said on mic uh, quite a few times now, I've spent a lot of the last several months trying desperately to find something that isn't comic book or superhero related in some way or another uh, to watch just for my own personal enjoyment. All right. Look, I, I liked recording that episode about about The Crow. The Crow is a comic book, all right? The movie is based on a comic book, all right? I like The Crow. I like that movie. I had a blast recording that episode. But it's just the more that things go on, the more that I I find myself wanting something not a comic book, you know? And so when I, when I talked about doing a deep dive by total coincidence as it turns out but when i talked about doing a, a a big deep dive into martin scorsese's resume you know the different films that he's directed guys that's this kind of fatigue is what i had in mind all right i wanted to watch a movie that's about cinematography or acting or writing or or, or just fucking whatever you know something that's not about superheroes per se and it's not about comics or any of that stuff i just wanted to watch films you know and it sounds like such a pretentious fucking douchebag thing to say i disavow it as i say it but it's just when you talk about comic book movies versus films people understand the implied dichotomy between the two especially if they're in the geek community so I just want to make sure that we're all clear on on what I'm saying here. I understand the douchebagginess of what I just said. I'm just trying to put this into into terms that are easy to understand, all right? Non-superhero cinema is basically what I'm talking about. Non-comic book cinema is what I'm talking about, you know. That's the stuff I've I've been enjoying watching lately. Like I haven't made like a big thing out of, uh, out of this even on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook group. But for the past like uh, like month or something like that, I've been watching the uh, Showtime uh, TV series uh, Dexter. I've been watching that on Netflix. All right, and yeah, you know there is some variance in quality with that show from one season to the next. You know, just because you liked the previous season doesn't necessarily mean that the next season is going to be right up your alley. I freely acknowledge all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm still enjoying watching the show. Again, it's going to sound like a pretentious dickhead thing to say, so I apologize in advance. But I just like watching something that's different. 
that's character driven, that isn't a superhero in some way or another, right? That's what I like about Dexter. That's not a bug. That's a feature, at least for me. And that, I'm not saying that Dexter is the only thing that's worth watching. I'm just saying that Dexter or stuff like that, that's pretty much what I want from TV right now. Or that's pretty much what I want from film right now, you know, or, or just whatever. Or, or here's something. Um, I don't think I specifically talked about this on Mike, but months and months and months ago, I ended up uh, uh, checking out uh, Michael Collins, right? I watched Michael Collins. I'd never seen it before. And I think I've even said in the past, I think it was the episode I did with Scott Rifen about Spider-Girl just a couple of weeks ago, Spider-Girl numbers two and three. I said that basically until I saw Michael Collins, like the film Michael Collins starring Liam Neeson, the the most I knew about the Troubles and basically anything to do with Ireland, I pretty much learned from Dolores O'Rourke. All right. Um, there you go. So I watched Michael Collins. It's it's basically a biography of the real life historical figure, Michael Collins. And it was very, you know, educational for me. It's also just a damn good movie, you know. But just kind of speaking as this kind of dumbass American. I mean, guys, you know, for you non-Americans who are listening to this, you need to understand that the curriculum that we're taught in the schools, it's that the first half, except for the obvious stuff, the first half of the 20th century history as it relates to uh, Europe, especially Western Europe, we don't really learn a whole lot about that in school, okay? We just don't. I mean, yeah, there's, we, we learn a little bit about World War One, and we learn a fucking shit ton about World War Two, but just European history from 1900 to 1950, really, apart from the World Wars, we just don't really touch on that a whole lot. And certainly from 1950 going forward, that gets all but fucking ignored. And the reason for that is because America's, we are Americans, and America's history in the 20th century is pretty fucking wild story, all things considered. And so my point is that watching Michael Collins, it was very educational for me in terms of teaching me a bunch of shit that I never knew, you know? And so... Just for that reason alone, I enjoyed it. But I also just like Liam Neeson in that film. I just like his style. You know, I like that movie. <clears throat> so so there was that, you know. And I've been really enjoying just a lot of uh, bio movies lately. The Aviator, that was another one. You know, I just really dig that movie, you know. And so on and on and on, right? That's the kind of stuff that I want to watch on film, you know. And Dexter, that's the kind of stuff I want to watch as a TV show. Now... Another show that I watched a little bit of, this was uh, Blacklist, um, starring James Spader. And yes, I realize that other actors are in that show too, but let's cut this shit. It's Spader's show, you know? And I've been slowly working my way through the first season, and, you know, it's good, but I don't know if that show was necessarily designed for binge viewing, but whatever. It's still an enjoyable show. I enjoy watching it. It's just right now, Dexter has really a lot of my attention, you know? So there's that going on, all right? 
And the reason I spent so fucking long telling you guys all of this is to say that, guys, I'm a Superman fan from way back, okay? My, my Superman fandom, it goes so far back, I don't even remember the beginning of it. I don't remember becoming a Superman fan, all right? Superman has always been there my whole life, right? And then a red letter date for me personally, June the 23rd, 1989, my superhero mythological world grew, it expanded beyond Superman and grew to include Batman. And then from there, there was the Flash. And then from there... Uh, there was the, let me think, uh, Justice League, there was Suicide Squad, um, let me think, who else? Uh, a Green Lantern, uh, just, you know, on and on and on, right? Basically, a lot of the obvious uh, titles, uh, comic book titles that were coming out of DC Comics in the, the late 80s and early 90s and going forward from there. Guys, my point in saying all of this is that I am a dyed-in-the-wool comic book fan, okay? Ask yourselves, how many episodes of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality have there been where I talk specifically about a comic book or a series of comic books? Quite a fucking lot, all right? And if it's to the point where I'm starting to get a little sick of this stuff, I can only imagine what John Q. Sixpack or sorry, John John Q. Public is going through right now. I ended up mixing up my nomenclature a bit. Joe Sixpack, John Q. Public, fucking whatever you want to call the guy. Uh, the mainstream, the normies, the straights, whatever you want to call them. If I'm getting sick of this stuff, where are they right now? And anybody who wants to say that they they may be starting to get a little bit fed up with all of these different comic book movies that are choking everything else out of existence. Well, I think you got a leg to stand on. And as it turns out, now anybody who's tired of all this superhero stuff, all the capes and the heat vision and the, the dastardly villains and all that stuff, now they've got champions. Guys, they've got standard bearers. All right, they've got Jodie Foster. They've got Martin Scorsese, and they've got Francis Ford Coppola, all right? Those people are not nobodies in, in Hollywood, guys. What they say matters. What they think matters. And now anybody in Hollywood who maybe has a little something-something against comic book movies, now they've got standard bearers too. So people inside the industry have heroes, people who are speaking out publicly against comic book movies, um, people in the general public, non-geeks. Again, uh, you can call them civilians or anything you want. Now they've got these legends, these Hollywood legends, who are out there saying the same thing. Hey, I don't like comic book movies, and neither do these guys over here, and I love their stuff. Guys... My prediction is that we've just witnessed the dam breaking, okay? Maybe I'm going to be shown to be wrong, okay? I'm not making you a promise here. 
But if I were a betting man, I would say that within the next five years, maybe less, but within the next five years, we should all start getting used to the same number of comic book movies coming out every single year, but more and more of these comic book movies failing. Failing. Or, if not failing, at least coming up short of expectations based upon what we've all come to expect from Marvel's product of the month. All right? I think what, what we might be wise to expect, or at least to watch out for, is the next, I don't know, three, maybe four, maybe five Marvel movies, maybe they don't hit a billion dollars. Or maybe they don't have such great reception among audiences anymore on Rotten Tomatoes. <clears throat> or maybe, you know what? Who knows what might happen? Maybe some of these movies are just going to outright flop. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. This is a... You need to understand something. This is a real psychological principle, okay? You need to understand this, all right? There is such a thing as preference cascade, all right? I've talked about this in a few other episodes years and years ago, so maybe it's worth it to kind of clarify what is meant by preference cascade, right? Preference cascade, what that means is society operating on a certain assumption, right? And the assumption is that X, Y, or Z is universally beloved. Except it's not. It's not. Nobody actually likes brand X or this movie or that rock band or this whatever. A drink, food, chain of restaurants, clothing store, fucking whatever. Nobody actually likes it. But everybody thinks that everybody else likes it, so everybody keep, they, they, they keep their opinions to themselves, because let's face it, we are social creatures, and nobody wants to be the odd man out on something like that. Except there comes some kind of an inciting incident. People start looking around, they take notice of this inciting incident, and they start making some some realizations. The inciting incident suggests that there's somebody out there with a sufficient level of stature or fame, visibility, platform, prominence, fucking whatever. <clears throat> this inciting incident speaks out against the prevailing trend, where things were going. This thing or this idea or this person or this concept that's supposedly universally loved, there's a very public disagreement with that thing. That's the inciting incident. Nobody likes this, this drink or this restaurant or this album, this, this rock band, just fucking whoever, whatever. Nobody likes it, but everybody, everybody assumes that everybody else likes it until... There's an inciting incident where somebody stands up to this trend. And people realize, you know what? I'm not alone. Somebody else out there 
doesn't like this either, so now it's okay for me to start saying what I truly believe about this genre of music, or this movie, or this iPhone, or whatever. The numbers start growing, and growing, and growing, and growing. That is Preference Cascade. And I'll give you a couple of real-world examples just to kind of help you guys understand what I'm talking about. In the beginning of October 1980, President Jimmy Carter was pretty well tipped in the polls as cruising to a pretty easy victory over Ronald Reagan in the presidential election. That's what the polls showed. You can go back and look at them. They all showed Jimmy Carter cruising, not necessarily to, this isn't going to be a cakewalk, but number one, Carter was going to win. And number two, Carter was going to win decisively. That's what was shown in the polls. So what happened? The one and only presidential debate of the 1980 election is what happened. And I'm not taking sides here. I'm not going to be partisan on this matter. I'm just going to say, if you go back and watch that debate, Reagan talked to President Carter in a way that made his complete lack of respect for Carter very clear. The American public, I think, noticed that. They think, hey, Reagan doesn't like this son of a bitch either. I mean, there's no collegiality here. He doesn't like the president. That means it's okay for me to vote against the president, because honestly, I don't like the guy there very much either. Boom. How many electoral votes did, did Reagan win in 1980? Like 400 and something? That is a preference cascade. Everybody assumed that Carter was liked by everybody else, thus the polls. But then there was an inciting incident, the presidential debate, after which people realized, oh my God, I'm not alone. Other people feel the same way as me. I can be open about, about what I truly think, and it's okay. And then we get President-elect Ronald Reagan. Whether or not that's a good thing or bad thing isn't the point. The point is, go back and look at it. Don't take my word for this. Go back and look. Just see for yourself. That is what happened. Whether, the, whether that's good, whether that's bad, whether that's indifferent, isn't the point. The point is, that's what happened. That is preference cascade. Here's another one. It's kind of funny to think about it now, but, guys, there was a time in the 70s when disco music was the hottest genre around. At one point, like I think at disco's peak, it was not unusual for seven of the Billboard Top 10 songs, most popular songs, to be disco songs. That's how big disco was in its day. Most people assumed that everybody loved disco. So most people listen to disco because, hey, that's what everybody else likes and I don't want to be different. But then there was an inciting incident. Disco Demolition Night, where 
basically during the seventh inning stretch at some fucking baseball game or another, uh, basically a bunch of pyromaniacs detonated, and I mean literally blew up a bunch of different disco records, basically to show their disgust and rejection of that genre. Guys, you need to understand this. Disco was dead within six months of that incident. People looked around. They assumed that everyone else liked disco, except there was an inciting incident that showed them otherwise. And then they changed course. That is preference cascade. I'll give you another example. Again, in the, in the music business. R.E.M.'s major label breakthrough really is the album Out of Time. All right. From a commercial, like, pop standpoint, that's what put them on the map. Now, yeah, they released a bunch of different albums before that. But as far as the mainstream is concerned, R.E.M., they may as well have first, their first album may as well be out of time, even though it's not. It's like their seventh or eighth or something like that. I forget. Something like that. Uh, seventh or eighth album. But as far as the mainstream was concerned, their first album may as well have been out of time. People looked around and they, and they said, wow, everybody seems to like R.E.M. So I'm going to listen to a lot of R.E.M. and buy R.E.M.'s album because that's what everybody else is doing. 1993 rolls around. And we, we get, I think it's 1990. I'm pretty sure that Automatic for the People came out in 1993. And this, again, reinforced everybody's basic expectation. R.E.M.'s Automatic for the People album was a huge runaway smash hit success. People's biases just got confirmed a bit. And then there was an inciting incident. R.E.M. released an album called Monster. And it was such a stylistic departure from everything that had come before that the mainstream sat up and took notice. They're like, yeah, you know, this is a pretty big change for R.E.M. You know, this is a, a really big change for R.E.M. I don't think I like this change from R.E.M. In fact, you know what? I don't think I like R.E.M. That album, Monster, is in the top five most resold albums that you're going to find in any used, or I don't know that used CD shops even exist anymore, but back when there was such a thing, that was one of the most common albums to find in a used CD shop. People went out, they bought it, they realized, oh my gosh, I don't really like this album, and you know what, I don't really like R.E.M. either, I'm selling this. That's why, so it was, at least at one time, so easy to find R.E.M.'s monster in any used CD shop in the country. People assumed that everybody liked R.E.M., there was an inciting incident, they realized that they weren't alone, they weren't the only people that didn't uh, like R.E.M., and so they changed course. That is a preference cascade. And guys, my, my reason for belaboring this 
is just to kind of draw a parallel between that and where we are right now, where everybody in the movie going, or most people in the movie going public, they haven't really had any reason to rock the boat if they don't like comic book movies because they've looked around, they've seen all these Marvel movies and a few Warner Brothers movies come out, hit a billion dollars worldwide and they think, okay, well, I guess I'm in the minority here. Everyone else seems to like these comic book movies and so I'm going to say that I like them too. Guys, we've now had three separate inciting incidents. Two within 48 hours of each other. We could be looking, this is my point, in the next couple of years, we could be looking at the, we could be looking at a new preference cascade. Don't be surprised now that all this stuff has been, has been put out there by Jodie Foster, by Martin Scorsese, by Francis Ford Coppola, don't be surprised if the next couple of comic book movies that come down the pipeline receive a slightly different reception than they might have otherwise. Or, for that matter, a very different reception. I mean, again, I'm not predicting anything. Preference Cascade is notoriously hard to measure, track, and God knows predict. But we've now had three separate inciting incidents. If a preference cascade is ever to come out against a comic book, uh, against the, the uh, uh, I don't know, the prolificacy of comic book movies that we've seen in Hollywood lately, if it's ever going to start, guys, it's right now. Because like I say, Jodie Foster from a couple of years ago, and now Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola within 48 hours of each other. Those last two for certain could be the inciting incident that triggers a preference cascade against comic book cinema all right and again because there's nothing you can say that's so simple and easy to understand that some dumb son of a bitch won't come along and misunderstand let me be clear on this i am not necessarily promising anything you understand I'm saying that if this comes to pass, I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember that, you know, golly, Magnus said he wasn't promising anything, but golly, this sure looks a lot like what he talked about with that preference cascade thingy. Guys, don't be surprised if that's the direction that things go in. I'm not promising anything, but like I say, we've now had one, possibly two, possibly three different inciting incidents. The time for this really is now. So, me, I'm going to be kind of shocked if five years from now, comic book movies are still just as popular and prolific as they are right now. Maybe they will be. Maybe they will be. But I doubt it. I'm not telling you what to think. Think whatever you want not promising anything. I just want you to know where my money's at right now. So anyway, this is, this was originally supposed to be, believe it or not, a quick little in and out 20 minute little episode. And uh, this is turning into, yeah, we're not quite to an hour yet, but we're getting pretty close. So anyway, I think I better go ahead and shut up and call it a day. I think that's pretty much it for me for right now. So bye everybody. I will see you next time.
Okay, so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, You can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus... Media Enterprises Limited Production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>